countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, it is now time for more of the last comic shop! That's right. We are opening the shop up to newbies to help them find their way underneath this giant comic book tent of ours. Oh, this is where Chad usually talks. And and letting old people feel okay about still being into this stuff. (laughs) should have moved on to real live girls and stuff by this time. Wow. It's a lot like uh, video games. You're never too old for this stuff. (laughs) That is true. You are never too old for video games. You're never too old for toys or comic books or any of the stuff we talk about. Please. We've crossed that bridge a long time ago. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm glad you've crossed that bridge with us as well. I'm joined by our regular co-host, Jay Scott. And as you heard, Chad's missing. So we're joined by two of our wonderful guest hosts that have been on a bevy of episodes, especially recently in 2023. They're like pinch hitting like all the time. We've got Mikey Wood. And we've got my brother, Ethan Larson. So this is crazy. It's like the Wonder Twins. Somebody told Chad what we're reading today, and he couldn't have run fast enough away from this episode. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't say he didn't like this. He he said he doesn't know why I enjoy it as much as I do. (laughs) (laughs) Which which from from Chad is the lowest compliment you could possibly give. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's that's true, but you know, as like a sideburn, some things himself. just well, we'll get into it, but it just it hit at the right time. That that's we'll we'll get into all yeah. that. But we are giving Chad the week off because we are reviewing Green Arrow: The Longbow Hunters. It was a three issue uh, miniseries that kicked off a huge run of Green Arrow in the uh, late eighties, early nineties. How many issues did it actually run, Mikey? Uh, I know that Grell was on it for like 80, I think, or, wow. something like that, or, or, or something like that. But the series went way longer. But I didn't collect it past Mike Grell's because it's not really my thing anymore. Yeah. Now, the, the miniseries was prestige format, you know, a little bit more adult themed. Was the main yes. series as well? Yes, the main series was Baxter Paper, and it said suggested for mature audiences on the um, covers, and it was a more like mature and adult take on the on the character, just like the uh, the the miniseries was. It's a mature book, and the guy dresses like Errol Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does. He does. Well, you get to see that contrast between how the bad guys describe him and how the how the people who he saves describe. That's true. Him. The bad guys describe him as the CW Arrow, and then the <laughs> yeah. he actually the other the, the old lady's like he was that nice guy from the Remfest. Yeah, <laughs> he served me mead. <laughs> Yeah, it's in any uh, case, like, on today's program, because we're talking about a series that was released in the late 80s, early 90s, we thought that it was a great opportunity to have another one of our quiz games. Yay! Aw, hell. Yes. Come on. And we, we do like quiz games once in a while here on The Last Comic Shop, and uh, there's an opportunity for somebody other than Chad to win this week's fun, because again, Chad's on vacation. So w- w- this is a great opportunity for us to talk about 80s action heroes, right, J.A.? I mean, you're the quiz master. Is that what mm. you came up with? Yes, we're doing 80s action. So not just heroes, action movies, action TV, everything 80s action. Each round is eight questions. 
one multiple choice question and one question that has a bonus component Whoa. so you can get an extra okay. bonus point. Actually, extra two bonus points. So top score, if you get them all right, is 10. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 Uh-huh. All right. So have you decided who gets to go first, J.A.? We in this. Why, why don't you flip a coin between the three of you? Uh, <laughs> it's, you need a tri-sided die. We will flip a coin between our two guest hosts. And they will get the choice to, as to who it, gets to go first. Is it age before beauty? Because I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm a right. spring chicken myself, sir. Yes. I never call tails because of that stupid thing. The tails never fail. So I'm always like, heads, damn it. <laughs> okay. So Ethan's calling heads. Ethan's yes. calling heads. Here we go. It is heads. Do you Nicely done, sir. Yes. I, I'll actually um, defer. Okay. Yeah. Mikey because is I don't know what I'm getting into. First. Oh god. Question 1, Mikey, in the okay. Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell movie Tango and Cash, which one is Tango? <laughs> that I believe Tango is um is Kurt Russell. I'm, you are incorrect. Uh, yeah, no. Tango is Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> you know, believe it, you know what? 50, 50, 50. I've never seen that. I've never seen Jack Tango. Jack Palance is in that movie, I've right? Never, was that one of our mother's favorite movies or is that um No, that was, was that Stop My Mother Will Shoot. <laughs> I thought oh it was Bird God. on a Wire. She loved. Oh, she liked Bird oh, on a Wire. That yeah. was another good. Yeah. I, I can't believe I've never seen it, but it's true. I never have. That Question was... number two: What 1980s TV show follows the exploits of Stringfellow Hawk and Dominic Santini? Oh, that's Airwolf. That is correct, sir. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. JA used to like religiously sing that theme song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Oh, everybody, th- you know what's funny? Like everybody thinks Airwolf was on for like 16 years. I think it was on for like two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Less than two. Like yeah, canceled midway. Or yeah, something. yeah. Okay. All right. Question number three: What is the make and model of Magnum PI's car? Oh Jesus! Uh, I believe it's a Ferrari, but I don't know what the model is. Uh, GG something. I don't know. A Ferrari 308. 308. Okay. Come on, give him half a point. I will give you half a point for that. Okay. There you go. Nice card. Question number four. In the movie Roadhouse, Patrick Swayze's character had a PhD in which discipline? Literature, philosophy, art history, or dancing? I believe it was philosophy. You are correct, sir. Yes. <laughs> Roadhouse. Yeah. It's my way or the highway. Don't, don't mess with Mikey's Roadhouse. That's right. <laughs> Right. You're my new Saturday night thing. <laughs> Question number five. What city is RoboCop set in? Old Detroit. Yes. Specifically ah! <laughs> Old Detroit. Do you remember the uh, RoboCop video game that they had for the arcades? That was a great game. Yes. And RoboCop vs. Terminator was an awesome video game. Too. That was yeah. a good one, too. Question number six. Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon was a former member of which military outfit? Oh, man. No, he was he special for was it was he special forces? Which special forces? Oh, I think it was uh, Army Special Forces. I think I don't know. I'm going to need a little bit more than that. Sir. <laughs> uh, was he uh, was he was he a commando like a like a like a? He, he wasn't commando. He was not. I don't, no. I was know. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he, was, he was a Green Beret. So we're going to say that's a question number seven. Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia teamed up to take on the Yakuza in this 1980s film. Black Rain, and it's awesome. I love that movie, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
He was so definitive with that. He's like, Flash <laughs> no doubt. I it on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. That's right. All right. And question number eight, and this has a bonus. Ooh, nice. From okay. what year is the Terminator sent back from in the original Terminator film? Oh, that's so horrible. Um... Isn't it like 2023 or something? I can't remember now. No, it is 2029. <laughs> okay, I knew well, it was 2020 something. Here is the bonus. Okay, what year does Judgment Day occur? 1997. Correct. Okay. Okay. Nice. I wrote a Planet of the Apes Terminator crossover comic that I never saw. (laughs) I should have known this. I did. I swear. It's called Judgment Judgment Day on the Planet of the Apes. But anyway, sure. Who wins? The the Uh, apes. The the apes. Yeah, they kind of do. Sort of. Okay. They usually didn't have the apes win. I'd be furious. (laughs) Sort of. They sort of. Okay. All right. So Mikey, you got six point five. Okay. Not so bad. I think it's going to kill my score. So, now, Ethan, do you want to go next or do you want to go last? Um, I'll go second now that I know what I'm getting myself into. Question number one for Ethan. What is the name of the villain in the movie Highlander? Uh, guy with the sword. <laughs> 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 I'm not wrong. Yeah. It's the Kurgan. the Kurgan. The Kurgan. The oh. Kurgan. Question number two. The Running Man is based on the book by which author? Michael Crichton? Stephen King? Philip K. Dick or William Gibson? Uh, Philip K. Dick. No. Stephen King. Oh, well, wow. Richard Bachman. But oh, yeah, yeah, it was a Bachman yeah, yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. A Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah, that's right. I know damn all it. of these. God damn it. Question number three: What do the teenagers in Red Dawn call themselves? <laughs> like he's killing himself over there. <laughs> I should have went first. <laughs> I knew who Tango was. <laughs> no, I don't know. I've never seen this movie. Sorry. Oh, Wolverines. Wolverines. Oh, shit. Come on. It was, the, it was the name of their football team. Their high school. Oh, yeah. Wolverines. Wow. Right. Oh, this one you should get. If you don't get this, then I'm. Su- yeah. One, then I'm, two, I'm just three, quitting. Okay. The, I'm quitting the pod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, what city is the movie Bloodsport set in? I wish this was about sudden death. Because I would yes. know what city that's yes. based in. <laughs> yeah. The Civic Arena. Yeah. No, Bloodsport is the one about the Kumite. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I, I passed. The first. Mm. <laughs> I'm taking a zero on this. The... It's set in Hong Kong. Oh. Uh, I don't remember that much about that one. I'm... Question number five. According to Dirty Harry, what is the most powerful handgun in the world? Oh, a Magnum? Yes, you are correct, sir. There we go. We're on the board, baby. Seven <laughs> two, two. I want Stephen King. I want Wolverines back. I want all this stuff. Like this, I'm just kind <laughs> of blank. And it doesn't help that Mikey's going like this in the back. Oh, I'm like, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. This. <laughs> I'll hide off screen. Next. No, you're fine. This you're is going to be the hardest question in this round. Which means question number six. Up. What organization does MacGyver work for? I say it's like an acronym, like microwave. Close. The Phoenix Foundation. Oh. I have never seen a single episode of MacGyver. Really? <laughs> that was another one of Jay's favorites. Was that another one that was also on for only two seasons, but it has a cult No, that ran a while. No, it yeah, ran a while. It, it, it ran, ran seven, like eight, eight seasons. seasons or something. Yeah. People like the MacGyver. Don't, 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 don't. 
Don't be talking smack <laughs> on Dean Anderson. I, I talk Richard Dean Anderson. Man. You don't be talking smack. It's on just him. like it's it's just always like these cult shows. Like Gillian, like they only have usually it's only like three seasons or yeah, something. Right. Okay. All right. Question seven. What song opens Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom? What song? Oh, I know this. The the Goonie song. Good luck. No, it's, it's anything goes. Anything, <laughs> anything goes. Anything goes. Anything goes. Oh, yeah, 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 they're, yeah, in, yeah. they're in the Obi Wan Kenobi club. Well, now I know Club Obi Wan. And okay. and final final question that comes with a bonus. What is the name of the building in the first Die Hard movie? Oh, the Naka the Nakajima complex. Something like mm. close. Naka, oh. you know, so come on, give him some. Give him something. Come on. Nakatomi. Nakatomi. I knew it was Naka something. Come on. Mm-hmm. Nakatomi Plaza. Not going to get a point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. yeah. Here's the um, bonus. Okay. In Nakatomi Tower, what floor is the party taking place on? 13th floor. Because everything bad happens on 13th. Close. 30th. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, Ethan. You see, walk, you I got one. one? These are born, tough. Like I was I, born too late, too. That's my problem. That is true. The 90s action movies. Like, yes. I'm your Fast and Furious. Yes. <laughs> you could have just rattled off. Uh, those over ones. this weekend, I gave Andrew the whole primer of the of Fast and Furious, including that the first movie is about them stealing DVD players. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, I guess I'm up last. You are blessed. And I got to beat six and a half, right? Six Six and and a half, half, yes. All right. Question number one. Which movie does this quote come from? Come with me if you want to live. Oh, I know this. Is that Terminator? It is Terminator. Okay. It is also Terminator 2. Also Terminator 2. That's what confused me, actually, because I I know that actually more from... Terminator 2, but I didn't want to... All right. Question number two. Which one of these is not an actual Chuck Norris movie? Blood Fist, The Octagon, Invasion USA, or Lone Wolf McQuaid? Uh, that Blood one. I don't think Blood Fist is a... Is you a, are correct, sir. Yeah, the Octagon definitely is. And I'm Invasion Yusa is definitely is. Invasion, so, invasion Yusa. <laughs> <laughs> Two for two. Question number three. How many actors played James Bond in the 1980s? Three. You are correct, sir. That's right. <laughs> See, that's a trick question because you don't think about never say never again. Yes. When John Connery came back with a bad hairpiece. That's right. Yes. In the non-canon James Bond movie. Based on Thunderball. It's dreadful. So they could use the names, but they couldn't. But that's why it doesn't have the opening. Because the opening is was owned by the Broccoli family. Right. Like Cubby, Cubby Broccoli. And for the longest time, I thought it was a TV movie because I only saw it on ABC <laughs> like a bunch of times. Well, it shot like a TV movie. Like it, it was. was. It was like this like, big like, giant video game halfway through it. And I yeah. was just like, I want that. I am. Question number four. Tony Montana's little friend in Scarface is what? An AK-47? No, it is an M16 with grenade launcher. Uh, Ethan, would you have got that? I would have gotten that one, yeah. All right, Ethan should have stole that one. I'm going to give that point to Ethan. Ethan steal Question number five. Name the four members of the A-team. Oh, that's easy. That's uh, Face and B.A. Baracus and Murdoch and Hannibal. 
That is correct. I was looking for full names. Can you do full names? Oh, I can give the full names of the people that played them. Like George Pappard and Dirk Benedict and Mr. T and Dwight Schultz. Yeah, I was getting confused with the guy from Wings, the brother. Yeah, <laughs> but there was there was also I mean Stephen Weber. That's it. Do we do we get bonus points if we know about Amy Adams and Tanya and Dishpan Man yeah. and all those guys? Okay, because they were in eighteen later on. But question number six: What is the title of the final Dirty Harry movie? Oh, that's um the Deadpool. That is correct, sir. Yeah. Don't don't front on me with Dirty Harry movies. I like Although, that one a lot too. Isn't Tightrope basically a Dirty Harry movie? Maybe. I, don't know. I mean, it's not it's not officially, but it's it's like just a Dirty Harry movie, but his character's name something different. What about Gran Turismo when he's like, "Get off my lawn"? Or, that's also or a dirty, that's also <laughs> a Dirty Harry movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. <That's laughs> they're all Dirty Harry movies eventually. Question seven: Where does Rambo First Blood take place? Oh, that's like in a the west somewhere oh crap it's like some sort of mining town i think it's colorado it, it's somewhere out west i just don't i can't think of the name so i don't I, know for sure it was an allegory it took place in hope washington oh washington uh-huh, see okay. yeah, i knew it was on the west coast right, can, you, can you name the uh, the future action star of the early 2000s of uh <laughs> television fame or does he have to put on his sunglasses first Oh, yeah, he's in First Blood. That's right. Yeah. David Caruso. Caruso. Yeah. To me, he's always uh, from NYPD, NYPD Blue. Blue. Yeah. That show is so good. Oh, man. Okay. All right, question eight. Final question uh, with the chance of a bonus. Uh, what is the make and model of a kit from Knight Rider? It's a car. <laughs> it's a Corvette, isn't it? It's a You are no? incorrect, sir. It's a Knight Industries 2000. Well, that was the <laughs> Trans Am. I think it's a Trans Am. It's a Pontiac Trans Am. Oh, there we go. Look at you, Mikey. Now, Knight yes. Rider wasn't on for very long, right? I, I know that uh, Motorcycle Knight Rider, Street Hawk, was only one season. <laughs> um, I know that Manimal was only half a season. <laughs> uh, Night Rider was actually four seasons. So not, okay. very, not as well, long there as that. But then they, they didn't have a... Is yeah, there was Knight Rider 2000, and then there was like Team Knight Rider. There was a bunch of like Knight Rider. It was on longer than Spin-off. Baywatch Spin-off. Nights. That's all we need. Baywatch to Nights. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mikey, you are the big winner of today's oh, my. trivia challenge. Thanks so much to Jay Scott for being our wonderful host and coming up with all those great questions. Hopefully you did better than all of us. When you were sitting in your place listening to our podcast, we will be right back with uh, Green Arrow, the Longbow Hunters, right after this. Hello, friends. Do you like the 80s and Transformers? We are the Autopod Decepticast, and we started our podcast doing a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 classic animated feature, Transformers the Movie. We've since moved on to an episode-by-episode review of the G1 series and just started Season 3. We have over 180 episodes, so if you're just discovering our show, there's plenty of gold to stuff into your ears. And it is very funny and fantastic. I'm not biased... We are on every podcast aggregator you could possibly stomach. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and our web presence is autopoddecepticast.com. We are at apoddecast on Twitter and all of the things. Autopod Decepticast, friends, for all your animated Transformer needs. Bye, bye, bye. bye.
All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Power Review, where we're taking aim at the Green Arrow Longbow Hunters three-part miniseries. Yes, not the entire Green Arrow series that spawned out of this, but just the three-issue arc that was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. And so they, they gave uh, Mike Grell a continuing mm-hmm. series after that. It's it's collected in a trade. It's very easy to get. It's it's still widely available. And if you're at your local comic book shop and you you listen to today's show and you're like, yeah, I want to check this out, make sure you do. Because it's, again, very easy to get. And it's kind of a nostalgic flashback to those great action movies of the 80s, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mikey, who else worked on Longbow Hunters with Mike Grell? Well, yeah, well, Mike Grell, he wrote it and did the interior art. Julia Laquement, uh, Laquemont, I think is pronounced, who I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with. She did the the coloring, but I'm not sure how that worked, to be honest with you, because Grell does a lot of, like, painted in a lot of scenes and so so i'm not, I'm not sure how they colors yeah you know it was almost like a, it was almost like a cross hatch or an etch dreamlike watercolor like, yeah like if you look at the covers you could actually see the canvas underneath the paint like if you look at the because they were painted on canvases so it was a mix it was mixed media there were some like colored pencil sketches done yeah. on like Hanson paper and and like white pencil and i'm gonna say because it's a premium premiere level product they they spent some more money on the print quality of it as opposed to your normal run-of-the-mill four color separation i guess they were still doing that in the late 80s and the lettering was done by ken uh, bruzenak also known for his incredible work on howard chaikin's american flag series and he's a phenomenal letterer who's still uh doing some phenomenal work so that's that's the whole team yeah Okay. J.A., why don't you hit us up with that 10-cent synopsis? So you got any trick arrows in that bag, or is that the whole point of this series, that there weren't any trick arrows? There was one trick arrow, actually, um, but he didn't fire it. Uh, So essentially, Oliver Queen, uh, the Green Arrow, has relocated from Star City to Seattle, Washington, to be with his girlfriend, Diana Lance, who we all know as Black Canary kind of goes through a midlife crisis he because he's 43 or something in the book and already a grandfather we'll get to that in the review <laughs> i'm sure anyway he goes through this sort of midlife crisis gives up all of like okay the superheroing thing i gotta get get back to the fundamentals no more trick arrows no more just me and the bow and be one with the bow and shoot the arrow and at that time in seattle there's two sort of crime sprees that are happening. There's this guy walking around killing prostitutes, and he's the Seattle slasher. And at the same time, somebody's going around shooting all these old guys with arrows, and he, that person is known as the Robin Hood Killer. So Green Arrow gets sucked in to investigating both and offers his services to the police, and they're like, yeah, uh, we don't need your help. Leave us alone, <laughs> you weird, weird man. I don't, I don't understand why they didn't like arrest him on site. You are a guy that runs around looking like would, Robin Hood, yet we have this Robin you, Hood killer on the list. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. you should be suspect number one. <laughs> All the detectives <laughs> took a vacation that week. I never <laughs> understood that. I never understood that. But anyways, the more interesting story is the archer 
uh, who's killing these old guys. And it turns out that she is the daughter of a Yakuza who was in the United States and in, in an internment camp in World War II. And she grew up with her sole purpose in life was to avenge the death of her father at the hands of these Americans. And she is one with the bow and one with the the arrow so to speak, and the series sets up sort of a duel between these these two longbow hunting people, not unlike a Kurosawa-type samurai standoff where they're, you know, my true meaning is to sh- become one of the bo- one with the bow and one with the arrow and shoot true and straight every time, and there's a lot of that involved. Yes, but they didn't realize, Ollie Queen, you you must be this Robin Hood killer because you look like Robin Hood and you're shooting people with arrows. But that's okay. Yeah. You're in the that, I didn't understand League, so that. Th- right. Those are the kind of things I didn't understand. I didn't understand why he wasn't suspect number one. And I didn't get, and maybe I missed this. I'm sure Ethan probably agrees with me, maybe. Black Canary, she went from being a brunette to... A long-haired blonde yes. to short-haired brunette again. Was she just wearing a blonde wig yes. so that they could get yeah. funky in bed? If so, that's really funky. Because yeah, she, she well they 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 had, they had previously somewhere along the line established that she wore a wig, that the wig was part of her disguise. In another uh, her because this was post-crisis, so I believe her character at the time didn't have. Vocal powers, I right. She she was depowered in this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because what they had tried to do is establish some kind of link between you know the fact that there was a golden age black canary. Right. So the golden age black canary, Dinah Lance, was her mother as of this point, and she was the daughter, but she used the wig to look more like Ma. Like that that kind of. It's thing. kind of similar to what the 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 Watchmen character. Uh, what Silk Spectre. Silk Spectre. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. Like yeah. where you have the Silk Spectre from the forties, and then the the more recent one. Did the one in the 40s have sonic powers? No. Did, n- none of them did. Like, in post-crisis, they're like, none of these people can yeah, yeah. but Well, I don't... Go be- down a rabbit hole. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, because they make reference to that being her old costume, because, I don't know if you remember at the time, her costume in the early to mid-80s kind of, like, was, like, a headband and, like, a blue and black... Yes. Do you remember she had a different costume? The uh, J.M. DeMatty's Justice League, right? Yeah. Yeah. But and, I mean, reading this yeah. in a vacuum, uh, just being these three issues was the only real actual exposure that I got to yeah. Green Arrow. Like, if she wouldn't have put on the getup, like, I would have no idea who this woman was and right. why she was so important to the main character. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of you reading this in a vacuum, uh, Ethan, you're coming into this as somebody that hasn't read. A lot of Green Arrow. Did you watch some of the Arrowverse? Did you watch? No, any of that? I just I watched the commercials when they played during <laughs> Supernatural. So yeah. I knew can piece enough of that show together by just watching thirty second commercials. I mean, come on, it doesn't have that much. I depth. mean, it wasn't great. I mean, it was often really, really good, but yeah. it's often not very good at all. It was, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they took lots of liberties with it, but they did take uh, do a lot of neat twists on his history. His history is a little bit. Like, he's not Hawkman. Hawkman, like, what's Hawkman's origin? Who the hell knows? Nobody knows anymore. <laughs> it's been, but Green Arrow's basically been the same thing. He's a socialite Al- Oliver Queen. He gets stranded on an island. He learns archery. He stops pirates on the island. But in this, they do a nice little retcon where they're like, well, that was a lie. That was a little, and it was like two weed dealers, which I thought was hilarious. You know, but his his history has been kind of consistent. 
that. Yeah, I was just gonna say like that. This it, it seems like this was a radical departure uh, from Green Arrow. So I was trying to think of like what came before this because uh, I like I said I don't know anything about Green Arrow other than like mm. you said rich socialite and uh, socialist like the very left wing. Well, you know, he he debuted in more fun comics in in uh, 1941. So more com- fun comics number 73. And he was just an archer hero. That's all he was. And he had a sidekick named Speedy. And then they had the Arrow Car, and they had all this other stuff. So it was basically Batman and Robin with uh, arrows. Um, he he never had a regular series of his own prior to this. Uh, he was a backup. Uh, in a lot of books, he was a member of the Justice League. And then prior to this, the big thing was the Green Arrow, Green Lantern series uh, where he teams up with Green Lantern and they they go around the world and, and Green Lantern learns to be a little more grounded and he learns about actual human stuff. And that's where the whole idea of of Oliver Queen being very liberal and very social socialist right. and everything came through in those. And comics. that and that's where Speedy number two dies, right? Who have a drug overdose? Well, he doesn't die. He doesn't die. Oh, okay. but yeah, he gets has a, a drug overdose. Yeah, he has a he has a drug uh, drug habit that they get him through by the end of the by the end of the issue. And then there was a a four issue mini series where he just kind of fought Count Vertigo and then he had you know the 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 boxing glove arrows and, the, and all the trick arrows and all that silliness but other than that he really didn't have much of a a huge present he was popular though people liked the character so you know after crisis happened and they were sort of redoing everybody's origins a little bit with like batman year one and uh you know the new wonder woman series that was out and 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 man of steel they were kind of you know tweaking everybody's stories to fit the the more modern audiences that's kind of what this served a reboot of the character but still maintaining that prior history which i thought was clever what always catches me about this character is that he's immediately likable like he's probably Mm -hmm. one of the most likable superheroes that i can think of and you just like kind of immediately like gravitate towards this guy i don't know what the charm of the outfit or the Mm -hmm. the charm of the person or, or because he's usually the, the grounded one out of the justice league where he's telling these way more powerful people like Batman smug. And then he's like, I'm the charming smug, but yeah. Yeah. Well, the green arrow is always the first one to be like, what the hell are you people doing? Like, like Mm -hmm. he's always that guy. And like during like identity crisis, which is, is really phenomenal. There's a lot of his involvement with, with getting, disenchanted with the whole and that and they talk about that in this in this miniseries too the whole super heroics thing has lost its luster because the they're not dealing with like some guy in a costume trying to rob a bank anymore Mm -hmm. and because of the time period this book came out that was prominent in a lot of things like street crime and 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 uh the iran contra thing and uh crack were real and mike grell i I talked to at the pittsburgh comic-con once and and he said that that was it was hard to write comic books about silly things when the world around you wasn't silly, basically is what he said, but not mm. in so many words, but yeah. For me, reading Green Arrow, and this is, I think, the second time that I've particularly read these couple issues, I will say it's a little bit confusing. The biggest problem I have with the book sometimes is the fact that it would move from single pages to double page spreads where you had to read a, like across the pages. You know, if you're not used to that, or if you happen to get this digitally and you're reading on some sort of reader or something, it can be kind of jarring because you're going to have to flip your screen like halfway through or or maybe just read the entire thing horizontally. Because like otherwise, 
you're going to miss out on something. But I, I want to kind of piggyback off of what Ethan said about this guy being immediately likable. And I think it's because, like Hawkeye in The Avengers, basically both of these characters are rooted in a very iconic character, Robin Hood. Everyone loves Robin Hood. Robin Hood steals from the rich. He gives to the poor. He's a charming swashbuckler in the middle of the woods. He's very romantic. And so anybody that can kind of tap into that very primal character, I think is going to be like, yeah, he's going to crack jokes. And this is actually an interesting book because you get an Ollie Queen who, when he gets out on the street, he doesn't want to be like that. He actually wants to be like, this is my town. He's a very, like, quintessential 80s action hero. Like, mm-hmm. it's my way or the highway. This is my 44 Magnum, except it's not a 44 Magnum. It's a bow and an arrow. But he still uses it to that effect. He goes up to one thug and, like, breaks his pinky finger just for for snoring too loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, for trying right. to rob a lady. Right, right. Yeah. right. I'm, I'm making light of that. But it, what yeah. you see here is you see a, a series in which... Mike Grill is kind of darkening the particular universe, trying to put it back to a street level kind of character. Very similar to what you were reading in, say, Punisher at the time, maybe over at Marvel or or some of those other street level characters. Moon Knight was very similar to that about that time. That was the what uh, Bill Sinkevich run. I th- but but yeah, I mean, it's that it's that window of time between like. You know, Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and the revisionist superhero stuff was I love I love Green Arrow. I started picking this up. You know, I was 14 years old and I was growing up and the the I was trying to leave childish things behind me as much as I could, uh, you know, in the beginnings of that kind of stage. And I knew Green Arrow from Justice League cartoons and from like a little like I had that miniseries and things like that. And he was always silly and fun and whatever. But then I had also read John Sable Freelance that that Mike Grell was doing. And at the time, it was very different. It was very different for a mainstream superhero character to be brought down to that kind of thing. And, and it actually was quite popular. Like it ran, like I said, it ran for 80 issues. But by the time those 80 issues were were winding down, times have changed. And like as of literally issue 81 it was back to being a superhero book again. Like issue 80 was the last issue. And and the description of the issue is green arrow has been framed for murder, but only he can track down the CIA killers who set him up. That was the plot for issue 80 issue. 81 is green arrow gets in the middle of a fight between Nuclon and shrapnel. Like it's literally superheroes all over again. Like the minute that grill is gone, they turn it to superheroes for the rest of the, for the rest of the run. Yeah. But he did some other Interesting things in this particular run too. Speaking of that, he 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 set this chronologically where yes. he was he was aging in real time. Like yep. it was like almost every issue was like a month, you know. So he would have birthdays. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. that fa- like he had the famous birthday issues where he's like, yep. oh, now I'm 45 or I'm 46, and 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 so yep. that was that was neat to have a, a character age in real time um, on this yeah. particular book, but. Uh, that's what initially drew me to this book and why I suggested it, because like I had this terrible job back in like the mid-2000s, and I was working for a bank 
trying to collect money from people during the recession. I was a I was a loan collector for 15 years. My brother lived <laughs> through it. That's oh, it. So, so you can yeah. realize uh, the pain that I'm going through when I oh, say this. Yeah. But so I would just read these Wikipedias of superheroes, and then I stumbled upon Green Arrow, and I saw this long run of this. They, they depowered him, and they went. They, he went to the the streets and was like you said. Uh, Andy was uh, doing chronological age, and I was like, I have been thinking about this and dreaming about this book for probably like 15 years now. So actually, finally getting to read it uh, has been like uh, almost—I want to say—maybe a dream come true. I, maybe that's a little bit pie in the sky, but it's kind of like you know one of those yeah. kismet moments for me. So yeah, very cool. There's a, yeah, I, I I highly suggest you you carry on with the with the series afterwards. There's even there's even a two issue thing where he teams up with Travis Morgan. He teams up with Warlord, and and there was always jokes about how Warlord is basically just Oliver Queen with white hair. It's like the yes. designs. They actually make reference to that to how much alike they look, and they make it they make a joke about it and stuff. But it's 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 real fun, and that's um somewhere in like the twenties or whatever. So it's 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 a really great series. So like hey, J A, what did you think of the book? I mean, it's very gritty. It's a very product of its time period. It reminded me actually a lot of the Frank Miller Batman where Oliver does show up for a mm-hmm. a, a cameo without an arm. He's got the best line mouth. in that. Yeah, he's he got the does. best line in that book, too. Hi, yo, goddamn silver. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's immediately likable. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and the cops come after him and he, he's like, get away from me, you damn fascists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the continuing series, is the same colorist on the book? Because I loved her coloring. In yes. this. I don't know if she was using a colored pencil for a lot of it, but it was just very subdued and, and wonderful. I don't know. I think it was Dick Giordano. I, no, he did inks or something. Frank McLaughlin did some colors. I don't th- I don't think so. I don't think she did. So did the aesthetic change at all, the art aesthetic in the in the series? Because that well, was what really drew me to this, not just the story itself, but the aesthetic of the art and the coloring. And yeah, I mean, I mean, it just all felt 80s to me. It felt very much like The Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, it, it but, or Valiant, series, even early Valiant. Stuff. Yeah, it was a little bit more mainstream as far as panel layout and things like that are concerned and in, in, in coloring and things like that. So it wasn't. And, and I just think that was because of printing. <laughs> we get we got a lot of great conversation here on this particular book but we got to get to ratings and recommendations so stay tuned for more of the last comic shop right after these commercial breaks stay tuned what if you could live with your favorite fictional characters and have a place to connect with the best nerdy neighbors and creators out there join us on your friendly neighborhood comic show every week we keep hope give help and share comics with all with games, interviews, and more, this isn't your average talk show. It's a living neighborhood. We are honored to be your CBC Comic Book Community Award-nominated Nerdy Neighborhood. So what are you waiting for? Come join the fun and join the neighborhood. It's your friendly neighborhood comic show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. Do you like comic books? Do you like comic book movies and TV shows? How about movie and TV reviews? If I just described you, good news! You can get all of the movie and TV reviews you're looking for with a good dose of witty banter and fun thrown into the mix by checking out Paperweight Entertainment. Join Derek and Ian every Friday for TV reviews on the Paperweight Entertainment podcast and join Ian and Colonel Bob every Wednesday for the Silver Screen Scoundrel movie reviews. Find out more information about both shows at paperweightentertainment.com. 
All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings. Are we going to hit a bullseye with Green Arrow Longbow Hunters? We'll Mm. see. J.A., what is our one out of four scale for this week? One out of four arrows. Straight and narrow. (laughs) There you go. You're going to get the tip or the shaft? Oh, my. So one out of four arrows, we'll, we'll kick it over to our newbie for uh, Green Arrow, that'd be Ethan. Did you enjoy this? Did you enjoy this more than Ten Nights of the Beast? <laughs> First off. Yes, I will say that I did enjoy this more than Ten Nights of the Beast. Um, for uh, like, I wish that this was a Batman book because he was very Batman in, in tone. And mm-hmm. and when you, when you read Batman, you already kind of go into it knowing some of the characters, like... If Batman were to interact with any police, it would be Commissioner Gordon and not some random jabroni on the uh, Seattle PD that <laughs> doubts him anyways. And you would know his, his many, many love interests. You wouldn't know Diana slash Black Canary and hope that she puts on the outfit so you can actually recognize who the hell this person is. <laughs> Plus, I didn't pick up at all about that the him being on an island was part of his origin story. I just thought it was some... Random aside about how he would learn how to shoot the arrow because he didn't look like he aged. He wasn't like younger mm. in that. It was almost like Green Arrow in his forties, you know, doing the whole arrow thing. Oh yeah, he was supposed to be super young. He was supposed yeah. to be in his twenties. Yeah, or something. but it, I didn't pick up on that at all either. So, and, and there were times there is a lot of wanton violence against women in this book, mm. like a lot. And um, I know the the. Robin Hood Hunter is a woman, so it, it's kind of like she gets hers in the end, but you have to sit through a lot, you know. If you're reading this in 2023, it's it's pretty uncomfortable at times, especially what they mm-hmm. do to Black Canary, like when she's just, like, undressed and, and bleeding everywhere, and it's just like, yeah. holy crap, like, what am I reading, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But I am just, like I said, I'm just so glad that I was able to read this and actually put to bed this moment of kismet for me for that literally thinking about for 15 years and so actually seeing it on paper and being like holy crap this is what i'm actually reading right now was is a surreal moment that i don't think i can put into words so arrows um i'm gonna go three arrows because i was glad that i was able to read this and kind of close the book on that chapter of a 15 year journey that i've been on all right we're gonna go to j.a scott next uh j.a how many arrows you giving it yeah, I'm going to give it uh, three and a half. So I guess that's three arrows and one broken arrow. I think if you need that one green arrow comic because you want to have one green arrow comic and it's the only one you're ever going to buy in your life, this is the one. This is the story to get. It might not jive with the whole superhero genre green arrow stuff that came before or came after, as Mikey alluded to, but in terms of what it says about him, about the character, how well it's produced, how well it's drawn and written and the story itself, you know, it's it's great. Uh, I, I knock it back slightly because it does feel a little dated. It feels a little bit a product of the 80s. I think if you're younger, you're going to struggle to relate to some of the issues because they are very 1980s specific. Uh 
Iran-Contra, crack cocaine. I mean, some of the, you know, it's, it's, if you're just talking drugs or something, maybe that makes more sense. But the whole, it's, some of it does feel like, it's like you're watching one of those old canon Hollywood movies. You see the <laughs> canon logo come up, you like know you're in for Jackson. Yeah. yeah, you Why know you're in for something. Jackson movie. <laughs> All right, Mikey, you're up. Mm-hmm. How many arrows yeah, you get? Um, I would say a three and a half. For me personally, it, it, at the time that I first read it, it hit at exactly the right point. And it was unlike really anything I had read before as far as superhero comics are concerned, other than like Dark Knight Returns. And even that was a superhero book when you, when you get to it. Some of the things that you just mentioned, like the the violence against Black Canary, what's, what's really interesting about it is that it carries over into the regular series. Like she ends up going to therapy and she's having intimacy issues with him for a couple of issues and they address that that and the, and the whole PTSD thing from the trauma that she suffered from that actually plays a part and and the random cop ends up basically becoming yeah his like commissioner Gordon like he, like his contact for things and and they they come to a tentative working relationship and things like that but but um and there's a lot of really good runs of Green Arrow like this led to a, a run that ran 80 issues for Michael Grell and then ran uh, ran to 132 and ended with like Oliver died um, in a plane explosion, but then somehow comes back to life in Kevin Smith's run, which is actually quite good. Like, if, you know, Kevin Smith's hit or miss with me, but his green arrow is 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 real cool. And, and that brings him back to the superhero. So it kind of loops back around again and, it, and it's really worth it. So so he's gone through lots of ups and downs and fluctuations. But if you had to read something that is a great time capsule for that time period, this is it. And it is the only reason that I chop off a little bit is because it took me a couple of times reading it when I was younger to figure out that I was reading some of those pages incorrectly. In the old days, they, they would, you know, if it was a regular comic, they'd put an arrow telling you which direction to, to actually read the panels in. So I, I don't know. That's that's a small gripe. But yeah. Well, uh, going last, uh, this is a book of contradictions for me. There's a lot of pros. There's a lot of cons for this particular book and this particular series for me. I will say this. On the pro side, this is an amazing uh, Green Arrow series for no other reason than it does the character justice in terms of what the character should be. Like, I'm sorry, Green Arrow has no business being on the Justice League. Just like Hawkeye has no business being on the Avengers. Like, a guy with a bow and arrow fighting against, like, cosmic-level threats that Superman has to trade punches with? No. He's a street-level character. So, you know, from the fact that, like, they took him out of that superhero world and put him in a world of espionage and spies and and drug dealers, and again, what we consider street-level, this is the kind of environment that a character like Green Arrow deserves to live in. And when he's in that kind of environment, he's like, you know, an apex predator. He's an alpha hunter. He's what they talk about in this because he can bring all of those skills that he's learned by fighting, I don't know, Darkseid, and he now he's just fighting a bunch of crooks. So, like, from that perspective, you're never going to hear me say anything bad about this particular series because, for once, they did an archer character justice on the con side though this plot is confusing as hell like it it really is like the first issue with like this slasher and just how that happens to randomly yakuza world war ii group from the internment camps or whatever because like honestly he wasn't a member of that 
No, he was. No, he no the tunnel him. rat. The v- no. no, she. He, he was, was just saw him. He just shot him. She did. Then why did she shoot him? See, because again. she was because chasing she was, a woman. So that's. Well, a I big... thought she was only there to get revenge. Then why is why is she like taking her off the prize to go fight this? I. I, I, just, I mm. She got. She also got the person she was after too. Yes. Like like it was it was up it was an opportunity. It was and it, it was, was not, and, and it was and then what, it was how I, she pointed out that. Unlike Oliver, she could take life quite easily. I mean, Finally. once once I figured out the tunnel rat had nothing to do with the regular story, I just kind of blocked that whole thing out. The thing is, on the other pro side, though, those are two good stories. Like, they're two good separate stories, but, like, well, it's confusing. And, and to well, your point— Well, they explain the whole thing at the end. I, I get it, but I won't lie. After the first time I read it, which was, like, about 10 years ago, I actually immediately looked up the Wikipedia article because I'm like, I have to figure out what the heck happened. So, like, if I have to do that, uh, it's a 2.75. I, I actually want to read more from here because I feel like Grell was on to something and he maybe he was working out the kinks, these first, first three issues. Maybe he was, and maybe there's awesome stuff to come, which is cool. I, I'll read that. But, like, just, just on its own, I'm like, eh, no, it's a 2.75. Sorry, Mikey. Yeah. Uh, any case, it's now time for something that hopefully is a four across the boards for everybody, and that is our recommendations. Because we're recommending these things. So, like, if we happen to like them, maybe you will. Go make sure that you're going out to your local comic book shop and picking up Longbow Hunters so you can decide for yourself whether you like it or you don't like it. But also, check out some of these books. So, we're going to go ahead and start off with J.A. Scott. So, J.A., what is your recommendation this week? I am recommending the original Chris Claremont Frank Miller Wolverine limited series. Ooh. Ran also a product of the 80s. Um, I think it came out in like 82, somewhere there. Uh, but <laughs> Wolverine goes to Japan because he finds out that his love has suddenly become married. And he's like, what's up with that? I thought I was going to get to marry her. And then her dad doesn't like him, tries to kill him. The hand is there. Yukio turns out to be this assassin who wants to kill him and then bed him at the same time because you know it's wolverine and it's a great story it was i think the first or the second time marvel put out a limited series at that point they hadn't done it a lot great chris claremont writing great frank miller art first issue had a iconic wolverine with the claws up and he's saying come here it was loosely adapted into the movie The Wolverine, but very loosely. That movie loses a lot of the nuance that plays out in uh, the story because even when Mariko's married, he's like, but you love me. She goes, yes, I love you, but I have to be with him because it's honor and family and this and that. And so it reminded me a lot of Shadow's role in the green arrow book we just read very cool all right ethan you're up what's your recommendation well um jay said earlier if you're gonna read one green arrow and just put put the book down and and put it back on your shelf and be like i've read some green arrow you're gonna do the same with batman i don't know why you would because batman's phenomenal and there's a lot of great batman right everybody who's ever been anybody has ever written batman 
You can read Dark Knight Returns. Some people would say that it's, it's kind of a Batman book, but it's, you know, set in an altered timeline. It's, you don't really get the Batman essential. Year one, you see him struggle as a beginner, and nobody wants to read that. I mean, well, I mean, people want to read that. But <laughs> if, you want to, if you want to read Batman, be Batman. Read Batman Hush. Jeff Loeb, Jim Lee. It's, uh, it's just phenomenal, man. The artwork's so good. The story's great. The Batman greatest hits, and that's what you want when you read Batman. So. Yeah, like it's like Batman and Catwoman hook up, and like it's got all the Rogues Gallery all drawn really nicely. Superman shows up for an yep. issue, and Batman has to fight him. Like honestly, like the whole storyline with Hush is like an afterthought to just being like, let's just wheel out everything that was cool about Batman in case this is the only time you're ever going to read it, right, Mikey? Right. Yes. This is right up your alley too. Ethan, because you can also get Hush in Batman Noir, and it's just black and white. Yes. Now we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) Love me some black and white, baby. (laughs) All right, Mikey, what's your recommendation? You know, I I, I flip-flopped a lot on this. Originally, I said I was going to do Animal Man because that's a great – Grant Morrison's Animal Man is a great run. But actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to recommend John Sable Freelance, which is the the book that – uh, Mike Grell was doing prior to this. It is from First Comics, and it ran for 56 issues, starting in 1983. And it is the story of a um, game warden named uh, John Sable, whose family was brutally murdered, and um, he becomes a bounty hunter and secret agent uh, who also has a alter ego. Uh, that writes children's books, um, and it's uh, it's a lot of these same kind of similar sort of sort of stories. And Grell wrote, I think Grell wrote it all the way to the end of '56, and uh, did the artwork for the first maybe 25 or something issues, and then other people kind of kind of came in and, and took over. It's been a while, but there it's um it ran 56 issues, and then there were a few uh, miniseries, and there was another sort of unrelated uh, series called Sable and a short-lived television series as well that oh, I have yes. on bootleg DVD. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a really good book. It's, it's a, it's a favorite of mine. It's, it, you know, that came around about the t- same time as like American flag and stuff like that. It was a, the, the early to mid eighties was a really, really good time for comics. It was like really phenomenal. I was going to say too, like, then don't let Mikey fool you. You know, he just recommended a great book, but he also, is recommending that you read the whole 80 issue run of green arrow, right? Yes, (laughs) I am as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really, really good. And if you're into superheroes and stuff, keep going after that because like Jim Aparo does the artwork for a a big chunk of them and everybody loves Jim Aparo and it just gets very superhero-y. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap up recommendations with another street level set of heroes, Uh, but it wouldn't be the kind of heroes that maybe you would think uh, would show up in a comic book. Would it be some leftist radical Muppets? You're absolutely right. This is a series that came out at the tail end of 2022 into 2023. It was called Survival Street. It was at Dark Horse Comics. It was written by uh, James Asmus and Jim Festante and with art by Adelaide Kusinov. And boy, I can sign off on this particular series for sure. It is really wonderful. Basically, thinly veiled Sesame Street characters. 
So you have like, instead of Bert, there's somebody named Birdie. Instead of a giant big bird, there's a giant hippo. There's a guy that lives in a cardboard box instead of a trash can. There's a Grover type character who isn't like super Grover. He's like Captain Fair Play or something. There's even uh, an Elmo character called Milo who the Grover character is saving a bullet for, which I thought was hilarious. Because we all know that Grover should hate Elmo because he stole all of his credit. All of a sudden, nobody likes Grover anymore. But it's it's a series about if corporations uh, became people, like, and they were able to hold offices and, you know, they, they ran the presidency, they ran, and they just run the country into the ground. Like, all the things that you're thinking of and become, like, a right-wing militant dictatorship. These Puppets, because in this world, puppets are like sentient beings. They're not just puppets. They decide to become like freedom fighters and go save kids that are forced to go fight forest fires. Over four issues, it's really deep. It's really heavy. Pulling from the the headlines nowadays, so you can kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable. But it works. And you should read it for no other reason than it's provocative. And uh, if there's anything that's good about comic books, it's sometimes making you think and getting out of your side of your comfort zone. So for me, seeing a Grover character shoot a robot made of Charlton Heston in the face was about as provocative as I get on this show. So read Survival Street. It sounds sounds wonderful. It reminds me of, you ever read Brat Pack? Uh, No. You but should I've read Brat Pack. Oh, Brat Pack is awesome. There's another recommendation for yeah. you. Yeah, multiple recommendations tonight. Uh, so that's all the time we had for the Last Comic Shop this week. Make sure that you're tuning in every single week by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a trip place where you can find all kinds of stuff like past episodes, which they're evergreen. So you can check them out and make sure that you listen to a bunch of them, especially lots of episodes featuring Chad, who will be on next week's episode. He's just taking the week off. And so we're all waiting for the return of our Ed McMahon Mm -hmm. to our tonight show. Uh, So hope that you uh, tune in and make sure that if you're tuning in regularly and buying any of these comics, that you have places to put them. Go out to bcwsupplies.com where you can get bags and boards and boxes and all kinds of bric-a-brac that you can put your comic books in. And if you use the promo code LCSPOD, you can get 10% off of your order. And that, my friends, is a bullseye every time. I don't have to say anything else about that. Yes. And I'll try to do the Chad thing. Be sure to head to your local comic shops where you too can find all the stuff that we recommended tonight that I did not write down, but you can rewind it because it's a podcast. (laughs) He's so much better at this, man. He's so much better. And you can also find us on all of our socials, Twitter, Instagram. And please, please, for the love of God, if you like what we're doing, please give us a five-star rating. Please retweet it. Get the word out. Last Comic Shop is the podcast that you need for all of your comic book needs. That's right. Uh, We're not letting anybody else get out from under that tent. They're all coming in. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Man, this is great. Yes. Doing my job for me. If you need links to any of that stuff, it's all on the home base. That's www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. We also have links to our merch store. We began it for St. Patty's Day, but it might just become permanent fixture on the store. The wonderful Last Comic Shop Artist Edition t-shirt. 
by Mr. Mikey Wood. You can get it in a beautiful print. I've seen that posted online. So and you and you no don't don't no, myself and you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did a bit of coloring. Every single episode, like it's like almost a drinking game at this point. Is J is J A going to talk about the colors? And you did the colors for Mikey Wood's artwork. Come That's on, right. don't sell yourself short. Uh, my, cool. my, my, that drawing was basically shivering and naked until you got to it. <laughs> <laughs> Any case, I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Jay Scott as well as Mikey Wood and Ethan Larson. Until next week, stay safe, stay on point. Ooh, arrow. And remember. The try not to spell part backwards because it's a trap. Oh, think about that. You gotta stop with that. So good. That was troublesome. Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.